0: All right, welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, Carter Thompson, your host as always. Got a good episode today, NBA playoffs in full effect, round one underway. We got a lot of good stuff coming out of the first couple of games in round one, so we'll get to that. We also continue on with our NFL team needs. Today, I told you I'd surprise you, we're going to go with the AFC and NFC South, Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady back. Jacksonville Jaguars, number one overall pick, some other teams. This is probably the most quarterback-needy division in the NFC cell, so we'll get to that as well. And then we'll finish it off with our final thoughts of the episode. All right, we'll start with the NBA round one. Quick triggers and middle fingers in this round one. We'll get to the highlights here, and we'll talk about that middle finger part, of course, referring to Kyrie Irving. But, I mean, Golden State dominating the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic getting ejected in Game 2. There's your quick trigger, getting ejected there. Game 2 lost, they're down 0-2. I mean, the question being brought up of, does this prove Jokic isn't the MVP of the league? I mean, they are using some of these weird, very weird analytics and very advanced analytics that I've just... I mean, we've seen LeBron James carry some very bad teams in the playoffs all the way to the finals, and that's not an excuse for it's not a reason why Jokic can he's not LeBron James. You shouldn't put him in the same class as LeBron James. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, you have guys like Joel Embiid leading his team in the, in Philly against a inferior Toronto Raptors team. Of course, Giannis carrying and not a carrying an inferior team. He's just leading a team in, in Milwaukee against an inferior Chicago Bulls, of course. But I mean, Denver doesn't even look like they should be on the same floor as Golden State right now with this new, uh, I think they're calling it Lethal Weapon 3 with Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, and Klay Thompson. I don't know. I just don't understand the advanced analytics that are just way too much. I mean, you can just look at, I mean, you can use some of them. Some of them are very helpful, but I mean, some of them just go way beyond what we're watching on the basketball court. I mean, I get that he's had a historic season, but I mean, Russell Westbrook had a historic season, and I mean, you can move the numbers around all you want to get a historic season for a lot of guys sometimes, so I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve the MVP last year, he doesn't, if he gets it, deserve it this year, but I just think some of the numbers that they're using to quantify it don't make sense to me, and it's kind of showing here in the playoffs when you get him on, you get the Nuggets on on the big stage, and primetime television, and you just see some of the things that he's able to do and some of the things that he's not able to do and some of the limitations there. So, I mean, it's just interesting to see. I would not be surprised at all if the Denver Nuggets got swept in the first round. I wouldn't. And they're down 0-2 right now. Jokic just getting ejected in Game 2. We'll see how they respond in Games 3 and 4. They get on their home court, down currently 0-2 to the Golden State Warriors. I said I have Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. They look really good right now with Steph Curry back and healthy for those first two games. Dallas Mavericks, they survived game two without Luka Doncic. He's been out for the first two weeks, first two games of this series, excuse me. We talked about that calf strain that he had in the last game of the regular season. It's kept him out these first two games. Jalen Brunson, starting point guard with Luka out. He had 41 points in game two to tie it up one game apiece. It's looking. Better for Luka to be back for Game Three when they have to travel to Utah to face the Jazz. I mean, if if Luca's back, I mean, even what they the Dallas Mavericks could have won Game One without Luka Doncic. It's what it looked like with Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, Maxi Kleber hitting eight threes in Game Two. I mean, this is this is a much better Dallas Mavericks team than last year when they just they couldn't get past the Los Angeles Clippers and Kawhi and Paul George. And I think when Luca comes back. I think that'll be it for the Jazz. I don't think it'll be a a 4-1 series, but I think if this goes 6, I would take the Dallas Mavericks over the Utah Jazz, so hopefully Luka can come back. We can get him in the second round of the playoffs. But, man, the Jazz, too, at the end of of Game 2, fighting with each other, it it looks like they're yelling at each other, missed assignments here. You, You see some of the liabilities of Rudy Gobert when they've got a stretch big on the floor and he has to defend at the perimeter. He's great, of course, in the paint. He's great, of course, inside the three-point line, but you can see some of his weaknesses when he has to guard some of those stretch bigs, and he still tries to stay in the paint. You leave open some guys for some wide-open threes like Maxi Kleber, who hit three in game two. So we'll see what kind I mean, one of the, the rumors going around is head coach Quinn Snyder. Could he possibly be a candidate as the next coach for the Los Angeles Lakers? I mean... He's been coaching the Utah Jazz for X amount of years now, a couple, and they just seem to be stuck at that first, second-round playoff exit for years now with kind of the same team. They tried with some moves like Mike Conley bringing in. I mean, they have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert as their kind of cornerstones on this team, but is this kind of the ceiling for them? Can they get any further? Can they get to a conference final? And I'm not sure, and maybe that's something that Quinn Snyder sees too and goes to the Lakers as the head coach. Maybe that's a change they need. Maybe they just need to change a lot of things. But I don't see them surviving this first-round series if Luka Doncic comes back in the way that he has played all season. I mean, I think he's a top-five MVP contender. I mean, we have our top three, but I think he could have easily been in the top-three conversation as well. I don't know. It's something that the Jazz, it's not, I don't know if you blow it up necessarily, but I don't know if they've, if this their ceiling is a second-round playoff exit year after year so we'll see but that is some of uh the exciting first round matchups i mean suns bucks 76ers heat even the grizzlies kind of cruise through their first game not cruise through but like win where you kind of you you saw the whole game they're gonna win like bucks won by seven you you really didn't think they were gonna lose that first game to the chicago bulls the suns look good like they did all season of course 76ers already up 2-0 on the Toronto Raptors, the Miami Heat, I believe they're just about to win Game 2 over the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, Jimmy Butler going off for 45, probably almost 50 points. I haven't been able to check since I've started this, but so the Heat are up. The Grizzlies, they won a huge—I'm sorry. It was the Timberwolves that won Game 1, not, not the Grizzlies. Timberwolves win Game 1 over the Grizzlies, and Game 2 going on right now. One of the fun things about this one, too, is you got— John Morant's dad and Carl Anthony Towns' dad having fun on the sidelines watching their their sons play in this series but that's going to be a fun series but the Timberwolves let me repeat that the Timberwolves got game one and they won that one pretty handily. I think over 15 points so those games through the first ones and then of course the headliner for round one so far the Celtics and the Nets they lived up to that hype in game one with Jason Tatum Game-winning layup as time expired. Incredible team win. If you watched that last possession, it was insane. There could have been so many forced shots between Jalen Brown in the paint. Could have forced up a shot there. Marcus Smart, recently announced Defensive Player of the Year, could have forced up a three with two defenders crashing in on him. Pump faked, got him in the air. Could have drove past him, forced up a shot there, and instead passes it to Jason Tatum. Spin move as time expires layup. Just incredible team chemistry all around for for the Celtics there to get that game one win the big news or the big headline coming out of that game Kyrie Irving back in Boston that was another subplot to the series that I forgot to mention as well but heckling with the fans he even flipped them the double bird at one point of course we all know this now and he had this to say in his post game press conference I'm going to read the whole thing because I think it's uh it's kind of great how we how he gets to all this and uh kind of the honesty that comes out of it. And I kind of liked it. So here we go. He goes, so Kyrie Irving says, look, where I'm from, I'm used to all these antics and people being close by, close nearby. It's nothing new when I come into this building, what it's going to be like. But it's the same energy they have for me. I'm going to have the same energy for them. And it's not every fan. I don't want to attack every fan, every Boston fan. When people start yelling here, this is his words again as well. When people start yelling pussy or bitch and fuck you, and all this stuff, there's only but so much you take as a competitor. We're the ones expected to be docile and humble and take a humble approach. Fuck that. It's the playoffs. This is what it is. I know what to expect in here, and it's the same energy I'm going to give back to them. It is what it is. I'm not really focused on it. It's fun. You know what I'm saying? Where I'm from, I've dealt with so much, so coming in here, you relish it as a competitor. This isn't my first time at TD Garden. So what you guys saw, what you guys think is entertainment or the fans think is entertainment, all is fair in competition. So if somebody's going to call me out on my name, I'm going to look at them straight in the eye and see if they really about it. Most of the time, they're not. For one, I loved this response from Kyrie Irving. Well, a lot of people expect athletes to be outstanding role models and, and take the high road a lot of these times, it's kind of like left the door open for fans to just think they can do Shout, gesture, whatever they want, say whatever they want without consequences or repercussions, which needs to stop. I don't know where fans, not all fans, of course, some fans got this notion that, oh, I'm protected. You're the role model. I can say what I want. You can't respond because you're the guy that everybody looks up to, kind of deal. It, it's, it doesn't work like that. Why are athletes held to that standard if there seems to be no standard? None for everyday citizens who come pay money to watch these guys play. They're playing because they love the game. They also love to put on a show for you. You paid to come watch them. Where do we get this idea that we can just do whatever we want, say anything to these players, and just nothing could happen? Oh, yeah, you can just, yeah, go home. You can say F you to the players. You can call them this. You can call them name that. I'm sure... There are some names that I would never say here on this podcast, and I'm sure that's thrown around sometimes too. And players are expected to take the high. Where, where are the standards for fans as well? So I love Kyrie Irving giving it back to the fans as well. I mean, he didn't, he wasn't shouting obscene words and stuff. I mean, but I love his response there. I mean, it may come off as as childish a little bit for Kyrie Irving entertaining these fans, maybe giving them more fuel the next time he plays, which I believe is tonight, this Tuesday, April nineteenth. But I mean, I mean, he he addressed it in his post game presser. I mean, to me, it, it kind of felt Aaron Rodgers esque, just saying what he felt, not sugarcoating it whatsoever, just giving you the honest truth of this happens a lot. <laughs> In TD Garden especially, since he used to play for the Boston Celtics for just, I believe it was just for one year, maybe two, said he would re-sign there but didn't. Um, I don't know. I liked his response, especially when fans think that they can do whatever they want and get away with it, bring it to the forefront that I don't think they can, and that Kyrie Irving, it's the playoffs. He's he's focused on winning, and he's going to give it right back to you. See if you're really up for it. See if you're going to be put in the spot, in the spotlight and see if you're, you're ready for a response from an athlete. A lot of these fans that think they can shout, say whatever they want, aren't expecting a reaction. They're just thinking, hey, I'm going to shout this. There's going to be no repercussions, no consequences. Well, Kyrie Irving show you, here's the consequences. And, and some of these fans get thrown out as well if it, if it gets taken too far. But like Kyrie Irving said, his response was all in, I think actually Kevin Durant said, his, this is all rooted in love in terms of he loves the fans coming and bringing that energy because then it brings the energy for Kyrie Irving as well I loved the I don't care that it was the middle finger I mean yeah these guys are are role models but all of a sudden that just leaves fans open to the interpretation that they can do say gesture whatever they want which I don't think they should they can't there's got to be a limit to what fans are allowed to do so we see the response in Game 2 after they lost Game 1 on a game-winning layup by Jason Tatum. I believe, like I said, it's tonight. Kyrie had 39 in Game 1, so we will see the response soon. All right. We move on now to our NFL team needs. Like I said, AFC-NFC South edition. Maybe two of the weaker divisions in football with this one. Just one or two top-heavy contenders. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with Tom Brady back, seem like the clear frontrunner, easy frontrunner in that NFC South. Titans and Colts, they'll probably be battling for the division crown in this one, but there's a lot of opportunity to improve in this draft upcoming for these teams before the season gets going. Let's take a look at the NFC South side first. We'll start with the Buccaneers. Some of their team needs that I see, they need some offensive linemen. They lost a couple in free agency this year. They need defensive line as well with Ndamukong Su, Jason Pierre-Paul, not re-signed yet, not signed with anyone. They could probably use a defensive back and a wide receiver as well, since Chris Godwin won't be starting this season after his injury at the end of last season. So some of the, some of the additions, Tom Brady's back, which this is something it's crazy how this all went down and will be discussed in a later episode, much, much further for sure. I mean, he was trying to force himself to Miami to be the starting quarterback there with an ownership stake and also get to like hand pick the next head coach i mean this is something that we'll discuss further but that's just crazy so i mean they have six draft picks they have their own first through fourth this year only six draft picks but like i said they're easily the favorites in this division of course they're competing for the lombardi they have a couple holes on the offensive line they lost a guy like alex kappa to the Cincinnati Bengals, I believe, this offseason. They brought in a guy, Shaq Mason, from the Patriots. But they still need to make sure. Tom Brady's going to be 45 this year. You better make sure he doesn't get hit. And when he gets hit, it better not be a lot this season. Shore up that offensive line. Make sure Tom Brady is protected, and he'll still be good to go. He's 45. Doesn't matter. He still, I believe, led the league in touchdowns and yards last season. Doesn't He just needs to be upright. So make sure that offensive line is in tip-top shape for Tom Brady this upcoming season. They also have a couple of holes along the defensive line. Like I said, Jason Pierre-Paul, Nadama Su, not currently re-signed with the team. Going to need to address that. And like I said, do they need another receiver? Chris Godwin likely out for a big portion of the season. No A.B., no Antonio Brown, duh. Not out of the question as well. Their division, like I said, though, should be a cakewalk for them to get one of those top four seeds. In the NFC playoffs, just got a couple of key key starter positions that still need to be filled. New Orleans Saints team needs this one. It's it's quarterback, offensive tackle, and probably wide receiver. I mean, they lost Sean Payton. He retired. He's going to be in the Fox booth this off or this next season. Teron Armstead, their big left tackle, he signs a big five-year deal with. The Miami Dolphins, Marcus Williams, the safety, Malcolm Jenkins in the secondary, both gone. They signed Marcus May, the safety. I believe he came over from the Jets. I mean, they have seven draft picks in this draft. Two firsts, number 16 and 19, and then they have their second through fifth round draft picks as well. The question for the Saints, are they done making moves? They got that second first round pick. Are they going to use it? Now to trade up into the first round, use this new ammo to go get a quarterback. I don't think Jameis Winston is the long term future, so if they love a guy in this class, maybe Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, do they go get him with these first round picks? They gotta get ahead of the Carolina Panthers. We'll talk about them next. If they want one of these quarterbacks, I think that's what I think that's what's happening. I don't think they're done at picks sixteen and nineteen. I think they're gonna use them to get ahead of the Carolina Panthers. There's a team that's willing to trade one of its two top 10 picks. That's the New York Giants. They would love to move either pick five or pick seven is what it sounds like. It seems like a perfect match there for the New Orleans Saints and the New York Giants. The Saints then get their quarterback of the future, whether it's Pickett, whether it's Willis. They can compete with Jameis Winston coming off that serious knee injury. That's what I think the Saints are looking to do with this offseason still. That'll be a draft night trade. I'm expecting and I'm hoping for. That'll just cause chaos, of course, so then the Saints get their new quarterback. That's what I think happens with those two first-round picks. If not, they also need a new left tackle. Like I said, Teron Armstead in Miami, and they also need some more weapons outside of an injured returning Michael Thomas, missed all of last year, basically, and Alvin Kamara. He cannot just carry it all on his own. They're just going to wear him out. Get that guy some help, for goodness sake. So... If they decide not to trade those two first-round picks, offensive tackle and probably another weapon in the form of a wide receiver, 16 and 19, right in that range for a guy like Chris Olave out of Ohio State, maybe Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama coming off an ACL injury. What it sounds like is his ACL is way ahead of schedule, so that could be an option there. Offensive lineman Trevor Penning, the guy out of Northern Iowa, he's just a nasty mauler of a right tackle. He's an option there. Maybe a guy like Charles Cross out of Mississippi State falls there. There's some options if they decide not to trade up and get a quarterback. I think, though, this looks like a team that's gearing up to trade up and get their quarterback this season. Carolina Panthers, then, their team needs kind of the same thing. They need a quarterback, bad. Offensive tackle as well, and probably a corner. They lost Stephon Gilmore this offseason. Hassan Reddick signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. They got Dante Jackson a corner, Austin Corbett, an offensive lineman, but they only have six picks in this draft. They have their own first-round pick, sixth overall. Then they don't have a second- and third-round pick. For me, it's they need to grab their quarterback at six. If if the Saints trade ahead of them at five, that's fine. You take whoever's left of Kenny Pickett Malik Willis. If they don't, you get your pick of the litter at quarterback. Whether you like Kenny Pickett, I'm pretty sure Matt Rule tried to recruit Kenny Pickett to Temple before he moved on to Baylor. Malik Willis is the guy maybe with more upside. Maybe you like him at six as well. They need to grab a quarterback at six. Like I said, they don't have a second and third round pick. Otherwise, I feel if they don't fix this quarterback situation, there's going to be a new head coach and GM opening next year in Carolina. I mean, Sam Darnold, they, they, they tried the experiment it didn't work out. I mean, he had the weapons. He's got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. He had Christian McCaffrey for a couple of games, but he had, he had the weapons on this team. They had the coaching staff as well, and he isn't getting it done. Wasn't able to stay healthy for the whole year as well. I mean, it's time for someone to challenge him for that starting spot. Otherwise, like I said, I think this is going to be one of the handful of job openings in the NFL next season. I don't know what they need to do to save their jobs, but one of the things that always seems to work out is take a rookie quarterback and then you can plead with the owner, GM, whoever it is that makes the hiring, firing decisions that, hey, I just got this rookie quarterback. I mean, I need at least two more years with him, and then you can decide what we do. That's, a, that's what a lot of teams do to try and save their jobs. Bears, unfortunately, they, they had nothing they could do to save their jobs last year with Justin Fields as their new quarterback. But the Panthers, I think they could uh, at least try to save their jobs for one more year If they're working with a rookie quarterback next season, they have to grab a quarterback at pick six. That's what they need to do. All right. Atlanta Falcons finishing off the NFC South. Same thing. They need a quarterback, wide receiver, defensive end. Their big losses, of course, Matt Ryan traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Kelvin Ridley, he's going to be out all year due to suspension. Russell Gage, I believe he moves over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Foy Oluokun, he moves over. The linebacker, he goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They bring in Marcus Mariota to be their starting quarterback this year. Casey Hayward as a corner as well. They have nine picks. They have their own first-round pick, eighth overall. They have two seconds and two-thirds as well. The question they got to ask, are they rebuilding fully? Do you love one of these QBs in this draft? Because if you're rebuilding fully, you better love one of these QBs if you're going to take them. Or are you, quotes here, tanking by not tanking this season rolling with Marcus Mariota if that's the case then if you're fully rebuilding you can go with the best player available at eighth overall whether it's you want to be the first team to take a receiver in this draft class or you take a falling pass rusher this team needs help at a few of those spots they need I mean right now I don't even know who their starting wide receivers are is it oh boy I mean with Russell Gage gone and no Kelvin Ridley I can't even name their they starting wide receivers at this point so they need that I mean, Marcus Mariota doesn't seem like the long-term solution. They signed him to a two-year deal. He'll be the starter this year, so which makes me think it's it's, a, it's not tanking, but they're not obviously competing for the playoffs with with this roster. So go with the best player available at 8th overall, whether you think it's wide receiver, because you really need to help out that wide receiver room. If I can't even name your number one wide receiver, is it Olamide Zacchaeus? Maybe that's their, their number one wide receiver now at this point. They might have brought in someone else too, but still, like I said, they need help at that spot. Pass rusher as well if one of those one of those guys like Drayvon Walker or Kavion Thibodeau is dropping because we get two quarterbacks taken ahead of them, also some offensive linemen. One of those guys could drop. You could take them there at eight as well, but that's what they need to figure out what they're doing there. All right, moving on then to the AFC South. Tennessee Titans, they have a few needs here, offensive line, interior offensive line. They could use another weapon, wide receiver, or tight end, and a pass rusher. They lost Roger Saffold, the starting offensive guard. Julio Jones has not re-signed. Rashawn Evans, their starting linebacker. They did bring in Robert Woods in a trade with the Los Angeles Rams. Austin Hooper, the tight end as well. They have seven draft picks. They have their own first, which I believe is the 26th overall pick. No second rounder, but they do have their own third rounder as well. Derek Henry, this is the biggest thing for them. Derek Henry returned at the end of the season last year, but now they, like I said, need to restock that offensive line room to make more room for Derek Henry to run. I think he can easily get to 1,500 yards still, even coming off of that injury. They just need the guys in front of him to pave the way so that he can stay healthy as well. I mean, I th- he's still, I think, the best pure running back in the NFL. So they need some more help on that offensive line. Also, another weapon outside A.J. Brown. If he stays, we'll, we'll get to that. Don't worry here at the end of this episode. Wouldn't be out of the question outside of A.J. Brown. Robert Woods is nice, but you're not sure. I'm not sure what his status is coming off of that major knee injury. I mean, it's the Titans and the Colts in this division, and the Colts continue to stock up this offseason quietly. They're not spending big, huge money, but they're still a really good team uh, after addressing their their quarterback situation this offseason. So we'll get to the Colts right now. Their team needs are very similar to the Titans' offensive line. Need another weapon at wide receiver or tight end. Also need another pass rusher. So they, I mean, they've traded Carson Wentz and got Matt Ryan. So a flip-flop at quarterback there. They lost two offensive linemen, Mark Lewinsky, a guard, and their left tackle, Eric Fisher. Also, no more T.Y. Hilton. Rakia Sin was traded. And they brought in Matt Ryan, Yannick Ngakwe, and they just signed big ticket free agent, Stefan Gilmore, the cornerback, kind of shore up that spot that Rocky Sin left. No first rounder. They do have their second rounder with that 42nd overall pick. So with getting Matt Ryan should be an upgrade over Carson Wentz. It's not going to be a huge upgrade. Carson Wentz didn't have a bad year last year, but the reason it looked so horrible is he couldn't win those last two games against the Raiders and against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. So you're going to get a bit of an upgrade in a former MVP in Matt Ryan, but now they've got, like I said, holes along that offensive line. Immediately need a new left tackle with Eric Fisher gone, interior guard as well. Just because they have Matt Ryan doesn't mean they aren't still going to literally (laughs) run their offense through Jonathan Taylor, which they should. They need more big men now up front to pave the way for another monster season so he can compete with Derrick Henry for that rushing crown in the same division there. Also... Like I said, they could use another weapon outside of Michael Pittman Jr. at wide receiver. So with that 40-second overall pick, do they go offensive line? Do they address offensive line in free agency still? Still some wide receivers available in the free agency market. Jarvis Landry, I think, would be an excellent fit here in Indianapolis. Julio Jones and Matt Ryan could team back up here. OBJ is a guy you'd have to wait for, but could be another number one wide receiver that they try to bring back in. They have a few spots that they need to shore up. I think offensive line should be focused on in the draft. And then I think they, like I said, Jarvis Landry to me just seems like a really good fit in Indianapolis with Matt Ryan. He can be your slot guy with Michael Pittman being the outside guy. Seems like a good fit there, but they need to address some weapons and get that offensive line. They got two open spots, two starting spots open on their offensive line that need to be addressed. Houston Texans now. In the AFC South, team needs basically everything. They just need an influx of talent on this team. Quarterback, I mean, they say they're sticking with Davis Mills, but I still think it's a need on this team. Offensive line, pass rusher, corner. I mean, of course, they traded away Deshaun Watson. That's the big news. They lost Justin Reed in free agency as well to the Kansas City Chiefs. They have 11 picks in this draft. They have two first-round picks, no second, two third-round picks, and two fourth-round picks. This is, is, seems pretty easy for me. They're not necessarily going to be in the free agency market anymore. They're not going to be signing veterans because they're not going to be winning this next year or maybe in two years. But in the draft, it's very simple. Best available, best available, best available. Pretty simple. Stick to your draft board and help out this team everywhere. A top-end pass rusher or an old lineman with that third overall pick. Then the other position at pick 13, courtesy of the Browns. Like I said, this they need help everywhere. They're sticking with Davis Mills at quarterback, which allows them then to take the best available with all their picks to increase the talent on this team. There's not a ton to go around. I mean, Brandon Cooks maybe is the best player on this team. They need a new running back as well. I think it's David Johnson as the lead running back in Houston right now. I mean, they could use just talent everywhere. Take the best position available. At 13, it could be a corner as well with maybe Derek Stingley Jr. on the board. Who knows? Just take the best player available. Stick to that. Stick to your rankings that you have and just go with go with it from there. All right, then last team from the AFC-NFC South for team needs this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They need help on the O-line. Wide receiver, they need some more talent there. Defensive line, of course, as well. They lost DJ Chark. Starting wide receiver, he goes to the Lions. Andrew Norwell, a starting offensive guard. They do. They went on a huge spending spree this offseason. Remember, they signed Brandon Sheriff, maybe a top-five offensive guard in the NFL. That's a great signing. Christian Kirk, oh my goodness. This leads to our final thought on this episode, but they signed him to a huge $21 million per year contract for a guy that was maybe wide receiver three <laughs> on the Arizona Cardinals. They signed Darius Williams, a starting corner from the— Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. They signed a bunch of other guys as well. Zay Jones, the wide receiver from the Raiders. Either way, they have a bunch of draft capital as well. 12 picks, tied for the most in the NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs as well. They have the first overall pick. They have the first pick in the second round, the 33rd overall pick. They have two third-rounders as well. The Jaguars, all they, they need to make sure after a disastrous rookie season that they do everything in their power to make sure Trevor Lawrence is successful. Please, please, Jacksonville, do not ruin him. I would hate to see such talent and potential just wasted away in Jacksonville. I mean, the first overall pick I think should be and could be still an offensive lineman. It's trending towards a defensive lineman in terms of Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan or maybe Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. I still think it could be an offensive lineman to protect trevor lawrence even if they franchise tagged cam robinson their right tackle they have the left tackle spot already locked down i forgot his name but they just drafted him maybe two years ago or something like that either way they still need more offensive line just make it the best offensive line in football who cares you've got this rookie quarterback that has so much talent and potential why not just protect him i don't know i don't know but either way they need to make sure that Trevor Lawrence makes a huge, not a huge, I guess, a big jump at least in year two under Doug Peterson. Now make sure Trevor Lawrence has everything he needs. I mean, that to me needs to be their main focus for at least the next two years minimum considering what he went through his rookie season and how he handled it. I wasn't a big fan of, of Trevor Lawrence in college, but after watching him in press conferences this past season on how he handled everything with Urban Meyer and everything going on with the organization. I became a fan for how he just didn't demolish the organization in the media. I mean, credit to him how he handled himself. Time for them to pay him back this, this season. I mean, grab a wide receiver at pick 33, even after signing Christian Kirk. They need more offense on this team. I mean, the Christian Kirk signing is good, but they still need more weapons around him. Hopefully, Travis Etienne, his college buddy running back, comes back healthy this year as well but still need more weapons at that wide receiver position, even after signing Christian Kirk. $21 million per year. This leads me right into my final thought on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. The wide receiver market is exploding this offseason. We've seen it. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, all these wide receivers getting paid. Is it the Jacksonville Jaguars' fault? I mean, they paid Christian Kirk, who's a good player. Let's not get this wrong. Of course, he is a very good wide receiver but $21 million per year. He was in the top five of wide receiver earnings at the start of this offseason. Now you got guys like DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, all wanting to get paid now with one year left on their rookie contracts, paying them basically nothing. These guys were all not first-round picks. They're on four-year contracts, not that fifth-year option that teams get for drafting players in the first round. These guys were drafted second, third, maybe fourth round. I don't remember where Debo was drafted, but either way, these guys only have four-year contracts. After seeing Christian Kirk, who these four guys that I just named are miles better than Christian Kirk. He's a good wide receiver, let's not get it wrong, but 21 million for a guy like that. These guys want to get paid now, rightfully, but they are stuck on those rookie contracts. And the question becomes, could we see what happened with Devontae and Tyreek happen with any of these guys, where if they just don't want to play for the team anymore and want to get paid big money, that they could be traded then to a team that will pay them that $25 million plus, closer to $30 million. I mean, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Titans and 49ers have made cryptic and not so cryptic social media posts about this. I mean, could they actually be traded? I mean... Debo Samuel, it's been known now that he is very frustrated with how the San Francisco 49ers have been handling his contract. And it's just some organizations don't prioritize paying the wide receiver that much money. I mean, the Chiefs and the Packers, they're moving on from top five wide receivers. Will these teams move on from top 10 wide receivers in A.J. Brown? You could argue some either one of these guys could possibly be top five as well. And I mean, and and is this the Jaguars' fault? And did they do I don't think they did this on purpose. I don't think they're smart enough, unfortunately, for them to do this on purpose. But it's working out in their favor because a division rival in the Tennessee Titans could be losing possibly their best player, second best player on the team in A.J. Brown because of the contract extension that he wants. I mean, all these wide receivers now getting riled up, wanting new deals. I don't think it was on purpose. They had the money to spend, at the time to do it, and they gave it to Christian Kirk. They still have money to spend. Good for them. Good for Christian Kirk. Don't take—I'm not taking anything away from him, but it just changed the wide receiver market because then Devonta Adams says, "Whoa, I'm a two-time reigning first-team All-Pro." Christian Kirk, nice player, but he's making 21 million. I need to be making. 30 million i need to be making way more than 21 million packers are like all right we're willing to do that he, he didn't want to stay in green bay so they traded tyree hill same thing chiefs are like yeah we're not going to pay 30 million who will miami all right we'll send you off to miami then this all started with the christian kirk deal you could say the dk hop or the deandre sorry the deandre hopkins deal is what started i don't think so i think teams kind of had the upper hand and knew how that contract was handled, but DK or uh DeAndre, why do I keep doing that? DeAndre Hopkins making twenty seven and a half million, but that was just new money. He was actually more around the twenty two, twenty-one million. But then as soon as the Christian Kirk deal, all of a sudden that changed it where these top wide receivers are like, We need to be making way more than that. So now you see these guys like AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, looking to get paid right now. All right. Final, final thought then. On this episode of the Final Final Podcast, the USFL makes its debut this past weekend. And my 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 one word for this for this new league is patience. At least what I watched <laughs> it wasn't necessarily the most exciting football off the bat. It takes a little time for these things to get rolling. It starts with the QB play. We need, of course, to have some quarterbacks that are exciting in this league. I believe when it was, oh boy, what was it before the USFL? in like 2019 or 2020 before the pandemic hit that shut it down. I forget the league, but it was PJ Walker. That was really exciting to watch in that league. And now of course he's in the NFL, which was a great story and brought more attention to this other football league. Hopefully we get that here in the USFL where we get these guys going to the NFL after maybe a season in the USFL. But I think the USFL, like I said, they got to get the QBs right to, to bring up more buzz for this league But they have the right pieces in place for this to stick around for more than just one season. That's what I want, and that's what I hope for a new league like this. We've had it brought up, I think, twice in the past couple, in the past three or four years, where we've had a new league, but it it flamed out after a year. I think the USFL has the right pieces in place for it to stick around for a little bit longer. Their partnership with the NFL as well to test some things out for the NFL before they implement them in the NFL that's great. That's something that they have going for them to help continue this league for just more than a flame out year. Like I said, though, patience, give it a chance. I think it's going to work fine. I like it as well. And it's great for a lot of these players in this league for exposure to try and get back to the NFL or just get to the NFL either way. First few games might, might've been a little bit rough. (laughs) Obviously not a ton of fans in the stands as well. I think it'll pick up, give it a little time, Hopefully someone in this league just like lights it up, goes on fire, can get to the NFL, brings a little bit more of that excitement to this league. All right, that is all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We are, I believe, exactly nine days away from the beginning of the NFL draft. This Friday I will have the last iteration of the NFL team needs. It will be the AFC and NFC West teams that we will get to. And then next week on either Monday or Tuesday, it will be my NFL mock draft episode, and we'll get to that right before day one of the NFL draft on Thursday, April 28th. All right, so a lot of exciting stuff still upcoming and still will be in the NBA playoffs. So make sure you tune in for all the stuff on that as well. Thanks for tuning in again on this episode of the Final Final Podcast podcast. Stay safe out there. As always, this is the Final Final.